Welcome to Reimagine Teaching, a podcast for teachers about reimagining and dreaming a better future for the realm of education. I'm here with Brian Gorman this morning. Super excited to talk about reimagining communication and department meetings and um, how do we talk to the adults that we work with. So thank you, Brian, for coming and meeting with me this morning. And yeah, our third attempt at trying to record this this morning. <laughs> um, we always say. Um, if you talk to any teacher, and I know your wife teaches as well, she was on the podcast um, earlier this year, that the worst part about teaching is having to work with other adults. Yeah, it's got kind of moments. <laughs> um, the kids are always the big joy, and then the adults are what make it sometimes difficult. Um, so I appreciate you coming and talking about that. Um, Brian is, um, and I'll let him explain how he got into all this, but Brian is a, a pastor here in town works with my dad we've known each other for 15 years yeah seems about right yeah <laughs> uh when my family first started attending there and but it'll be really fun to have this conversation because um i think the the correlation between church leadership and being in a school setting is very similar as far as like you're responsible for a huge group of people <laughs> No, that. there are a lot of similarities. <laughs> my, I mean, so my original plan, I, I did not originally plan to go into the ministry. My original plan was to be a uh, um, a, a music teacher, a band mm -hmm. director, choir director, music teacher. My my father was a um, an elementary and, and junior high principal and then actually retired as the assistant principal of the high school. My mother was a teacher for most, I mean, the, the education system has been a key component of uh of sort of my world, like say my wife is a teacher, my sister-in-law is a teacher. This has been a big part of it. And one of the things that I know to be rel relatively true, it's always been interesting to listen to like my wife's perspective on what it is to be a teacher versus my dad's perspective um, as the administrator and right. how those two things go together. But one of the things I remember in hearing these conversations with people that I, I kind of chuckled to myself that adds the similarity to it is I have no real power or authority over anybody. Right. Um, I can I can say absolutely like this is what the Bible says to do. So what? And when it comes right. to like even working in the church and like dealing with staff or dealing with um, volunteers, at the end of the day, in a lot of ways, we're peers. And I think that's an, an, an unusual challenge in teaching as well. And being an administrator, even in that setting is like that you have some oversight, but depending upon where you are, the kind of unions, the kind of contracts, if you're trying to do a team meeting within your own program, like I've got no more authority over the next person, I, I just might have a, they might have just called me the lead, but who cares? Right. Uh, and so it has this really unique uh, situation where you have very little positional authority over a person. Yeah. Now, exactly. we all know there's the the trauma version of churches where they they take that they, they go the other direction of like super authoritarian. But in our world, I have very little positional authority. I have a title, but that's right. about it. Um, and I may know more about a particular book than a lot of other people do, but that's kind of the extent of it. And at <laughs> right. the end of the day, everything I do have to be has to be based around relational authority. Exactly. And and how strong those relationships are and how to help people uh, maneuver themselves into the right frame of mind to be prepared to do what's best for the people that we're trying to serve in the same way that teachers are trying to do what's best for um, the kids. And then we have right. that tension of best for the kids and best for us. And sometimes they don't all play together. And so the relational authority, I think, is really, really key. Yeah. And really hard because, like I said, there's not many jobs where that is the key. 
I mean, even in my dad uh, and my friend both work for um, the tractor company in town. It's, you know, if something's not going right with the people that I'm in charge of, I can just go to my boss and then they'll take care of it. And the relational piece is not quite as important in some of those roles. And so that's And if someone's not doing their job, give it a couple months, there's the potential they could be fired. Right. The education realm, that's, you got to go, you got to go big. Right. Right. In the education realm. Right. So we always start with our our podcast with what's bringing you joy this week. Um, Since teaching and everything can feel so heavy. Um, So what's something that is bringing you joy or kind of lifting your spirits this week? So I have a number of years ago, I ended up losing a bunch of teeth just naturally it was this weird scenario and so I go to the dentist and oftentimes when I go to the dentist my dentist tells me every time I go in for like the six-month checkup he goes every time I see your name on the list I pucker up just a little bit like I worry because he knows that I'm going to bring with him I'm bringing with me potentially some new challenge like he walks into the room shoulders up you know oh, kind of no. because he knows what's going to happen and so like uh two sessions ago I went in I'm like hey you know that bridge of like five teeth that I have, I, I think it fell out. He goes, that's absolute permanent, permanent cement. Like we posted it in there. I'm like, yeah, I don't think it's in anymore. And so he's like, there's no way. And he reaches in and he pulls it out. I'm like, oh my gosh. And he's like, how did you do, how did you do this? I'm like, well, two weeks ago, um, I was, I was doing some kickboxing sparring and a guy put his shin through my teeth and knocked it out. And then the week later, um, I took a really good shot to the face with a guy who punched me and uh, it, and so it came out and he kind of, he stops and he looks over at his, uh, at his dental assistant and he goes to the hygienist and goes, do you know many, how many other preachers get to make that comment as though it's <laughs> not a joke? And so the reality is that's what brings me joy. I, I go to, I, I do a lot of kickboxing and a, a little bit of wrestling. Um, you know, for those of you, I'm, I'm almost 47 years old. I'm not supposed to be doing this. My doctor <laughs> reminds me regularly, like, could you consider like a, a normal hobby? But this is this is my happy place hobby. And so um, I do a lot of that. I actually had a number of guys from the gym like, hey, have you considered actually going into a cage? No, no, but I'm, I'm really <laughs> excited because in a couple of in March, early March, they're doing a, a local uh, a, a local MMA event here. They got 14 different fights and I get to be the ring announcer. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that, oh, that really has me so excited right now about how to how to be the ring announcer, um, what to do to be right there in the cage with these guys. It also means I get free front row seats. And so yeah. you get to be in the splash zone. I'm just but as strange as it may sound for, a, you know, for a you know preacher to be involved in. In fact, when I get up here, I'm going to go and I'll be sparring for a for about an hour to two hours. And that just that brings me that brings me a ton of joy. That's awesome. Yeah, you'll have to send me info about that. My students, I have a couple of students who love to box and watch MMA and stuff. If we can get a group over, that'd be super fun. Yeah. We, this week, we are finally starting second semester. And so um, December and January for my department is rough. We have to run our own standardized testing. Mm. And the four of us are the only ones who um, are certified to run it. So we have to test... 108 students in four different sections so just about 400 tests have to be completed um we try to do them all in december and then january is finals um as soon as we get back from break so i'm finally past all of that the testing window shut closed yesterday finals and grades were due earlier this week um and i get to just do second semester this week we because we're starting the new semester we are doing I'm just looking at data and stuff. My students really struggle with reading. 
mostly the like on our final they all the kids who did poorly on the final just didn't read the directions and oh, i have yeah. it's a virtual test i have it set up where they can have the direction like everything read to them and they didn't even do that like, yep. <laughs> you could just listen to the directions no. so most of the points my yeah. students got off on the finals was like you know there may be more than one answer and they click one and go next and they get half credit so um we're doing i spent most of my time this week setting up a really intensive reading protocol but it's a lot of student choice and a lot of scaffolding and visual instructions and uh the instructional coach came in to kind of help and see how this works and she knows a lot of my students from other classes and she was super impressed um so it went really well and the instructional coach uh she's like that student never does work and he's like headphones in annotating like crazy answering questions and the article was about soccer which my students all love and so she said next time you do this which will be literally next week um she wants to come record it and kind of share it as a model for other teachers of like that's awesome these are the students in your classroom and this is what they are capable of if you <laughs> set it up for them and not just hand them a whole book and tell them to read it yeah so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that felt good to like Put all the effort and time into something and it worked out really well and yes and can help be an instructional tool for other teachers hopefully yeah all right so what you had already mentioned you're a preacher so what does your job look like and then why are you on the podcast <laughs> what does that have to do with my my work my, my job's all over the place right there's the old joke of hey you only work one day a week how hard could it be um right and the reality is my the the way that I tend to run my job, um, and again, the ministries have, but ministers have a lot of independence in that. So the way that I tend to run my work is really all over the place. Uh, it's not uncommon for me to spend all day on Monday in meetings, just a variety of meetings, one-on-one um, -on -one meetings, large group meetings, uh, leadership meetings, staff meetings, just do a lot of that. Um, and because meetings are so valuable, they kind of make sure everybody's on the same page to one degree or another. Uh, and so I do a lot of that, you know, I'll spend, um, I probably spend about 15 to 20 hours a week um, in study. And about half of that will be studying for the message I'm giving uh, that week. And the other half of that is just generalized study. So like, it, like the last three books that I, that I, I guess I got four books I'm working through right now. And one of them was on uh, the history of trauma within the, the PTSD and CPTSD in relation to the body, how it affects um, all these other components, uh, long-term physical pain, uh, mental issues, and the types of treatments that are out there and available that have been showing the most effectiveness within trauma. And then I, I read a book on the making of the Princess Bride, because <laughs> I needed a bit of a breather. Uh, right. right now, I'm, I'm working through the uh, autobiography of Frederick Douglass, the uh, slave who ran away, um, really instrumental in the early abolition, abolitionist movement. Um, and then also reading a book called uh, Jesus Skeptic, which is all about uh, a journalist trying to show uh, the impact of Jesus on the world, not the, the validity of Jesus' existence, but that if he hadn't existed, these things wouldn't exist in our world today, including public education. Um, and he talks about where the history of public education like, can be directly traced back uh, all through this investigative journalist mindset. In fact, the guy was an investigative journalist who'd won multiple awards. And after winning his last award, went into his editor and went, yeah, um, I'm going to go be a preacher. And so completely shifted gears with that. So <laughs> I do a lot of reading, a lot of study on, on a myriad of topics. Uh, I do a lot of coaching for a variety of things. Uh, and so 
I also teach the teens. I also like uh, last week I played bass guitar and I was teaching someone else how to play bass guitar for the <laughs> for our music. And so I'm I'm really kind of all over the place in a lot of different ways, which suits my uh, my AD, ADD brain really well. <laughs> that nothing for more than about 45 minutes to an hour before I'm off in another world. And so um, so my it really is all over the place from doing counseling to trying to run a large organization to trying to help an individual in their coaching to trying to do deep study to trying to um, be a, a presenter and communicator and so that's one of the oddities of my world is it is each one of those categories has to be relatively streamlined in their processes uh, or you just you're constantly in chaos and um, and I've known a lot of people in those sort of worlds where they have a great deal of independence who almost can't function because they haven't figured out how to streamline from point A to point B to, to point C. Um, and that's, I think, part of the reason why, um, why, why we're talking is I've sat in so many horrible, horrible meetings <laughs> because churches thinks that think that you have to have them all the time, uh, right? And, and it, they should. They got all these different things going on. They got to get all these people on the same page. The vast majority of it is done through people who are volunteering their time. And and I have sat in on a million different types of meetings. And what I found was if you don't have a good, consistent structure, everything falls apart. And so even though people see the preacher as the guy up front with the who's you know standing there with their microphone, um, there's all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes to make that come to fruition. And so through the years of sitting through horrible meeting after horrible meeting after horrible meeting, I did what I do. And that is I decided to just research it as heavily as possible, uh, researched, read all these different books on how to run effective meetings, found they all had something slightly different to say. And from there, built a model. And then for the past um, eight years, I've been tweaking this model. And I actually present this model to other churches and other organizations as to a simple model that allows you to run really effective meetings. Um, by using just a couple of key uh, repeatable systems, kind of as one of my uh, one of my staff says, lather, rinse, repeat. Mm -hmm. And so so that's been a big part of it. I'm I'm really big into building systems, although I'm really horrible at fulfilling systems. <laughs> so I'm the guy that builds a system and goes here, this is yours now. And then right. they go do it. And and we're all on the same page and and things go things go better. So systems are a massive part of what we're talking about. How do you lather, rinse, repeat? And just because you may be good at building them doesn't mean you're the right guy to oversee them. Just because you're good at leading doesn't mean you're good at leading and organizing systems, right? And so it's just knowing those components, and and that's that's a big part of some of the strengths that I bring and kind of do coaching with some churches and some ministers, um, and some organizations as well. Yeah. And that's been our biggest struggle. So I was talking to somebody about it last week. So we have a department of, there's four teachers, but mm -hmm. we doubled in size. So two years ago, it was only two people. <laughs> mm. So there was no need for, you know, an effective communication system because it was two people who shared a classroom. So their effective communication was they saw each other all the time. Yeah. Um, now we've doubled in size and we're spread out more. Um, and we have new admin. And so, like, we don't have a department chair. Nobody's ever been named as the, like, unofficial head of our department because, yeah. again, we've grown so quickly. It wasn't even a – we didn't have one, and now we probably need one. Um, and we have a new admin, and our new admin – and I had a conversation with her earlier this year um, – keeps pushing, you know, how can we use our time more efficiently and more efficiently? And yes. so I finally had a conversation with her, and I told her, I was like, my dad's a quality engineer. I was like – that's what he does is efficient processes. And I said, what does that mean though in 
education. Like, what do you mm-hmm. want from our meetings? Um, and part of what we've been struggling with is that she comes from, she's our assistant principal now. She comes from the um, district office. Mm-hmm. She has not been in the classroom for quite a while. And the relational piece, I think, is what she is not understanding. Like right. we, we can't, we can run a really efficient 20 minute meeting and get through all of our to do's, but my coworkers are not going to feel like that was an effective meeting because, right. um, and I talked briefly to JR about this, who you work with on this, some of this stuff as well. Um, in Spanish, the word is chisme, gossip. Like we have to have time for chisme and gossip, well, absolutely. And, <laughs> you know, filling each other in on personal stuff and on student life and, you know, if I put that on our agenda, our admin is not going to be thrilled about it, but that's mm. a very real need for my yeah. coworkers. So I can show you a way, and I will I'll show you a way to put that on your agenda without saying that's what you're doing. And so I <laughs> tend to find good systems, really good systems, change end results without anybody knowing that they changed it. Mm. Change something small in the beginning of the system, you'll end up with a bigger result at the end of the system, but change something small and, and just make the adjustment. So I do that with a lot of systems. I'm always looking like, what's the end game you're getting? And most people start there. And it's like, no, that's not the place to start. Go way, way back to the beginning. If you change something really tiny at the beginning, you're, you'll get a much different end result. And so, yeah. and that's part of it. Like if you look at most meetings, right? Think of the ones you've been at. Um, and you have so many problems. One is you've got people who come in and they are business and they get through the to-dos. You didn't actually go anywhere. Like I know some people that are great at building lists. And at the end of the day, you can sit there and go, yeah, but what did you accomplish? Well, I got the list done. Yeah, but what did you, like, how did you move the ball forward? And it's really easy to sit in an administrative type meeting and go, we checked all the boxes. That's horrible. Uh, we didn't go anywhere, but we all, but we, but we met. Uh, I, I've said in other meetings where if you are not like super organizer and they send out the agenda like three days in advance and people get to add to the agenda and it's all built out with this defined timeline of this person speaks from here to here. And then we have the parking. And it's like, that's awesome. If every single person who ever leads your meeting thinks like that. Right. But. I always felt for the longest time, like I was always told that's how you're supposed to do it. And I always felt like such a failure over and over because look, I got a, I got things going on. I don't have time to dedicate like a half an hour to the meeting before we dedicate the time to the, sometimes preparing the meeting took longer than the meeting. And right. that seems really inefficient. Um, <laughs> you know, we've also walked into those meetings where people just go on and on and on. There's no defined timelines. You're like, well, when are we going to, and it's like, you walk out of there going, did we do anything in there like what so you just end up with all of these flaws in most meetings um and uh and so there's some really simple adjustments that can be made that allows everybody to participate because if you need that super organized and you got to get me what you need on the agenda before like and oh i forgot to get you mine all of a sudden i I don't get to speak into the meeting now because i didn't get you my stuff two days in advance if we want a meeting where everybody matters in the meeting if we want a meeting where we move the ball forward, like we actually make progress, if we want a meeting where we feel connected to each other, because if we're not connected to each other, we're going to struggle to move the ball forward. But we want a meeting where we go, man, I'm glad I came to the meeting. And that's the big one. I'm glad I came to the meeting. And I've just said in enough, uh, you know, there's always the joke about, well, that's another meeting that could have been an email. Right. Right. Or the worse, that's an email that should have been a meeting. Right. Right. but I, I've just been through so many bad ones. And so I've instituted uh, sort of some new models, both within our church and now within other organizations and other churches. And regularly they come back and go, 
that is so freakishly simple and shocked at how consistently well it works, regardless of the environment. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so th that's kind of what I think is really helpful for people to see. So what I want to give you is this, here's this simple model that so, sort yeah. of meets all of these needs. Perfect. Um, me. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So when you build out an agenda, what you need is one agenda that's going to be exactly the same every single time. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you like a, a handful of cards. And so you can decide which cards you want to play. Right. But there are certain things that need to be in there every time. So for example, every meeting needs to start written on the agenda that everybody knows, right? The agenda is up so everybody can see it, right? That's, that's important. Um, and on that agenda needs to be, and you can word it however you want to word it, transition. Uh, it needs to be, you know, opening. Some people just call it opening. Uh, some people call it the segue. But you need five minutes that are, that's an important part of the meeting for people to come in and openly just go, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? Oh, hey, what happened with this thing in your life? And it's not about the work and it's not about the business. It's not about the kids. It's not about the school. It's about, hey, how did that test result come out? Hey, did mm -hmm. you get your kids taken care of tomorrow? Um, and a good leader of a meeting will build that time in intentionally and they'll make sure that it, it, it gets there. And this is where you can give relational-based feedback to someone if they're like, well, all you can do is sit around and talk about to each other for the first five minutes. No, 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 no. And you can sit there and go, hey, um, if you want to actually be heard and you want effectiveness uh, within your organization, this organization, when you're not here, you're telling these other people that they don't matter at all to you and that's going right. to hurt you. Right. So being at the segue, being at the transition, this personal time is really key. And it only needs to be about five minutes. My husband's job, they um, they have formalized that, but they start every meeting with personal bests. So what mm. is your personal best of the week? Everyone has to share, but it's not work related. Um, and my husband's it's like super sarcastic. So sometimes it's really silly where he'll be like, well, my wife did the dishes and didn't yell at me about not doing them. Like, um, <laughs> but then there's stuff he didn't even have a chance to tell me. And then he got to share it at work. They uh, he's in a rockabilly band. And they get to like open for this weekend event that the Reverend Horton he is playing this summer. Oh wow! It was like yeah, like the big yeah, yeah, yeah. big deal. So he like had the picture on his phone at the start of the meeting, and he's pretty introverted and pretty private about some stuff. And he was like, "My face is on a poster with the Reverend Horton he," and that was his like personal best. And everyone's like, "I don't, I don't know who that is." But he was like, oh, "It's a big deal. I need you to know <laughs> like that's a big this deal." This matters. Yeah. Um, and I just think that's important. I think it's also important for a place, in my opinion, I like a place where people, this and this is an opinion, right? Every team can figure out their own thing. I like having time where people do get to just share, hey, this is really frustrating to me. And something that if you're, let's say you are that super organized person, which is why they put you in charge of the meeting, keep a, keep notes of the things that people are saying. And that way, when someone goes, oh, my divorce is getting finalized on February 6th, you know, that you need to just check in on that. You'll gain so much relational value with people, but that that transition time, that segue, personal best, whatever you want to call it, five minutes, it doesn't need a lot of time, but it is time that matters. What you'll start finding is people will start to start show, be at your meeting five minutes early mm -hmm. because they want to be a part of that conversation. One of my meetings, it is not uncommon for the people to show up 15 minutes before the meeting starts for that purpose, because they know they get to come in and it doesn't have that, all right, it is eight o'clock, boom, we must meet. And so it, it takes that out of the equation. Um, 
we personally, and I believe a lot of people should do this, we keep a timer running in front of people. So when we say five minutes, it, that timer goes off and we move to the next piece of it. I think timers are really important, um, especially for those people who really want to go, well, I, I don't want to have so much time. I got to be focused. You can put it up there, but it, the timer is the problem. It's not you saying, all right, it's time to move on. Mm. Oh, man, we're out of time. Making a, an enemy that's not a person is nice. Yeah. So I think after you move away from that, um, I believe every organization needs a scorecard. And what you want to do is, and this is for you know for you and, and your group to work through, what are the numbers that matter to you that you can get access to regularly? Now, in some organizations, you may only need to look at this once a month, once a quarter, um, but figuring out what are the numbers that matter to you, what's your scorecard look like is really key. Uh, and then making sure that everybody gets the, so all you got to do before the meeting is make sure the numbers are on the scorecard that everybody can see. It needs to be a visual scorecard. Now, even in the teaching realm, right, to be able to say, hey, man, is anybody else having a problem? It can be th weird things, right? Is anybody else having a problem with like 20 kids a day going to the bathroom? Like, is there, did somebody like sp spike the water in a weird way? What am I, you know, can we, do we need to reduce that? Um, you know, how many bullying episodes did we have this week? Uh, how, you know, how many books did we get through? And you may figure out for your own environment what that may look like. And some of you are like, this guy's a moron. It's because I, I don't know the internal workings of your world, but I know numbers matter. And if you can have even just a small set of numbers, three, four, five, six numbers that you're all looking at every week, here's what that does for you. You're only going to spend about two minutes on this. It's important, two minutes. All you're doing is looking at it. If everything's cool, cool. If there's a number that's off and it's staying off, then you... You add it to what we're going to call later an issues list. Yeah. You don't discuss it right now. This is the big mistake. People see a problem they want to talk about. No, 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 no. Hey, you know, Brittany, I've seen that uh, that your particular room Chuck, has been eating Chuck. at least 15 pounds of boogers a day. <laughs> we were really hoping to get that down to 10. Um, right. Can we... Oh, I don't know where that came from, but uh, can we get that down to 10 at that point? Hey, so then all we're going to say, hey, hey, Brittany, we know we're, you're 15. We want to get to 10 goes to the issues list. We're not talking about it. Yeah. Not talk. This is really, really key. What I'm about to tell you for the next parts, really key. Do not talk about it. That I believe that for a scorecard, I believe that it's worth having right after scorecard again, another two minutes to just look at what are the goals that we have as an organization. And are we on track for those goals? On track, off track. That's all. It's a yes or no question. Mm -hmm. On track, off track. And if we're off track, it goes to the issues list. We're not talking about it. You need to review your to-dos. So again, that transition time, scorecard, goals, to-dos. Real fast, boom, boom. But this, all of this is done within the first 10 minutes of the meeting. It is fast and really can be done in about outside of the five minutes for getting to know everybody. All of the rest of this can be done in five minutes. That's the goal of it. Because all you're looking at is go, hey, you know, you, you know, Bob said he was going to get uh, the, the cookies for the next event. You said you were going to order those new books. And, and you said that you were going to take care of the field trip forms. Is it done? Is it done? Is it done? Yes or no? If the answer is no, we don't talk about it. <laughs> it goes to the issues list. Yeah. This is the most important aspect of everything I'm telling you. It goes to the issues list. This is how meetings get hijacked because people go, well, can I just, no, no, no. It goes to the issues list. Whoever is going to run these meetings at first, I will tell you, you got to be kind of strong at first because it's going to take people a while to get used to it. Yeah. Um, 
I had one team that we implemented this with the team and they were you, they were all business guys and they were all used to running their meetings like businesses, but they all run them differently and they all hated their meetings. And so <laughs> we'd get to the end of these meetings and every time like, well, this and this and this and this. And I'm finally like, got a little bothered by it. I'm like, guys, have you actually done what we've asked you to do yet? Or do you keep hijacking it? Because mm -hmm. you, well, I just want to. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, because no, 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 no. Will you run it my way for like a month? <laughs> right. Will you try it for a month the way I'm asking you to run it? And by the end of the month, everything changed. Yeah. You, you got to trust the process. Do your, so going back real quick, you said organization, organization goals on or off track. Do your goals ever change or is that your like mission always the same? So um, our goals change every, like I don't write, I write year long goals. I absolutely write year long goals. I just think year long goals are a complete waste. Um, so what we do in our organization is we take our goals, we break them into quarters because all that really matters is what you get done over the next three months. And we write the goals based around month one, month two, month three. Right. It's the, uh, what is it? The Pareti principle, I believe, like, like time expands or contracts to fill or work expands or contracts to fill the amount mm -hmm. of time it has available. If you give your kids, uh, you know, five weeks to write this report, it'll be done in five weeks. If you give them five minutes, they're going to get it done in five minutes. And the difference between the two really probably won't be that big of a difference, right? Because right. they're still going to do it just as fast. Right. Um, you're just going to give them more time to get it done in. And so what I, the, the way I, I found that this oftentimes works is when, when we can have these sort of timelines and we can have this sort of, uh, of scenarios that what you can do real quick is you just, you look at your goals and go, what are we going to get done this month? What are we going to get done next month? And all you're saying is, are we on track to get it done this month? Mm -hmm. Make it small enough, you can accomplish it. And you'll find, I mean, as with anything you want in your life, right, based upon if you're familiar with the book, Atomic Habits, if you want to change something in your world, don't change big things. Right. Small things done repeatedly makes a difference. We know this with kids, right? I, I have four kids. I think over through the years, we've had 14 or 16 kids through our house because we're foster parents. And what I know is what they don't need, even in your own relationships, what you don't need is big extravagance, right? It would be nice if your husband did something big and massive, but you know what matters? It matters what he did Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. It's the small incremental things done over and over and over again. So we write our goals based around that. Yeah. Um, that way, if we get off track on a goal, it's a lot easier to get back on track. So I may keep the big goal up there, but the big goal is always broken down into smaller benchmarks. And we're looking at those benchmarks to say, are we on target for these bigger things that we said we were going to get done over the course of a month or two months or three months? I think that's a much healthier way to do it. Um, and, and then you're not trying to change. I think when people think year-long goals, they're trying to think, how do we change the whole world? I don't need to change the world. Right. I need to change a few small things and get it done well re repeatedly. So and what's nice about being at a school is that typically, I mean, if we set this up August to June, our goals mm -hmm. for the next year, August to June, are probably going to be the same. Our paperwork yeah. is due at the same time and our school schedule is roughly the same. You know, December's goal is to get our standardized test done. January's goal is to get, you know, finals done and new schedules created or whatever. Right. Um, so it's not like it has to constantly be reviewed we just say well this was january goal right i think it's just important for us to set goals the only thing i, I and i'm saying this based out of a little bit of ignorance right the standardized testing for example you really don't get a choice as to whether that gets done or not right that is a like that is a requirement that must be completed am i right in that 
Correct. But we are responsible for um, scheduling, monitoring, oh, great. tracking down students who are absent. So it becomes a bigger task. So there, so from there, actually, you've got those benchmarks I'm talking about. Those are the benchmarks we're going to put up there to go, are we on track with, do we have it on the schedule by this date? Do we have it done? Yeah. Do we have this thing by this date? How many, what's the percentage of kids we've got completed it? We expect the goal was to get this many kids who've completed it. We've got this many. And those would be the things that I would write in as goals that help us sit there and go, mm, don't want to forget that. Yes, I've got to get back on track with that. Um, and so it's kind of working through it from that perspective. But that's yeah. kind of the way that I would go about the goals. But again, the big thing is um, we're, we're getting to know each other. We're checking to make sure our numbers are on target. Um, you and your organization may or might, may, may or may not have those. I think it's always valuable, but it might, that, that's for each organization to choose, right? Which cards are we going to play? So having some sort of scorecard is important, looking at your goals and looking at your to-dos. And the biggest thing to remember is you are not talking about them. Yeah. If it's on track, if it's going well, cool. If it's off track, it immediately gets added to the issues list. It's not a question. It gets added to the issues list. Here's where it starts to get kind of exciting, though, is um, I suggest at this point spending about five minutes. So, again, we're up to a 15-minute meeting at this point. Five minutes on what I would call headlines. And I got that from somebody else. But I'm a little leery of telling people headlines because then they think they've got to create tabloids. <laughs> uh, boy nearly dies. Uh, what? Well, yeah, somebody brought peanut butter to the classroom. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The headline is somebody brought peanut butter to the classroom. Not boy nearly dies, right? We are not trying to sell at the counter here. Uh, uh, and so There was literally one yesterday, my friends were talking about uh, there was an accident on the interstate by us, and it was like up to 70 cars involved. And they're like, it was 10, right. which technically is up to 70. Right. 10 falls in there, but it was there 10 were 70 cars. cars within a mile's distance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I think we're not trying to create clickbait. And so I'm always leery of saying headlines. But here's what a headline is, is sort of the, the wins, losses, and concerns for your organization. This is the business part of the meeting, right? This is, hey, and, and it can be all sorts all over the world. So in your world, in your environment, it could very easily be little Johnny keeps telling the same stupid joke every single day in class. Does anybody have a technique to deal with little Johnny? Right. Yeah. And at that point, we're not talking about it. It goes to the issues list. Um, it can be, you know, Susie this week just knocked it out of the park on uh, on her reading, got all of her stuff done. It's the first time she's been able to do that. Yay, go team. Right. We're not talking about it. We're just excited for one another. It's But it's quick one or two sentences. Hey, uh, has, has it, did anyone else have a struggle with getting uh, all of that math done? The entire set of curriculum seems to be working very slowly, and I'm not finding it to be very effective with my kids. Is anyone else dealing with that struggle? Um, goes to the issues list, right? It's those sort of things. Hey, just remind you, I did get all of the standardized testing schedule. We're fully booked for this time um, and letting you know that the field trip is fully set up to be able to go. Um, we still need these forms. Here's the forms, right? It's, it's a few sentences. If it's not a discussion, we're done. Yeah. Right. And so it really helps people think very concisely about what they're going to say. And here's the beauty of this one is you go around the room. Every person gets to speak their headlines. That's why. But you tell people you get one minute. I remember telling people to sitting in a meeting one time and somebody had just come back from a mission trip and they had they had 15 people go on this trip and it was just so powerful for them. And they start going and they start going and they start going. And I remember feeling like a complete jerk. And I'm like, I, I, I still got to do it. I'm like, hey, 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 um, I. I want to hear about everything you're talking about. 
add it to the issues list as to what happened on the trip, because I want to hear about it. But if yeah. you do it now, no one else gets to care. No one else's voice matters. Right. So this is really key. Um, now, here's the, here's the dark side of what I'm going to tell you, too. Here's why this is really awesome. It's almost every organization I've ever been in has that one person who's kind of a blowhard or always negative or just really just mm, they are frustrating to work with. And their thing is the most important thing in the world. So they can come in and hijack everything in church world. That happens all the time. Somebody thought that, uh, you know, the, the, the communion was a bit too sour this week and they've got to address that. Right. And I, I have walked into meetings. I've been in meetings. Um, I said in one many, many years ago, the meeting went great. We get to the end of the meeting. We're about to we're about to pray. And uh, and one guy goes, I got one thing real quick to bring up. I'm like, OK, and we were right on target, right on time. What in the world happened to the pulpit? Because I changed yeah. the pulpit. I'm like, what? what? And all of a sudden, just the whole room bursts out into this big like I didn't blindsided by it. It's so unhealthy. And so by doing it this way. Everybody gets to give their headlines. Everybody gets about a minute. You got to get your stuff in. You got to get it in fast. Um, and every once in a while, someone goes, oh, I just remembered this. To, you said that and it's triggered this. That's all cool. You got about five minutes for it. But the reason why it's so useful is, uh, you know, if uh, if Ethel loves to just dominate everything, nope, that's not an option. Uh, yeah. We got to get to the next person. So doing the headlines and not talking about them is key. Now, so now we're up to about 15 minutes. Yeah. Let's say for the headlines too, because we have people, there's also people on a team where we have someone on our team who is just very, very quiet. And so mm -hmm. prepping them ahead of time to say, you have a minute to give your headlines and you have to have a headline <laughs> like that right. he can then contribute to it. And he is one because he takes longer to process. If he knows he's going to share, then he can say, you know, well, yeah, I do have a concern. Here's my concern. And we're like, great. We need to add that to the list. Of course, we want to talk about things that are, you know, that you're struggling with. Whereas if they didn't have that dedicated space, I don't know if it would come up. Right. And if you're trying to help people understand it, what you're looking for is wins, losses, opportunities, threats. Mm. What What did you win in this week? What were you excited about? Where did you, where, where, and again, organizationally, right? What were the losses? Man, this just didn't work. What's an opportunity that you see? Like, I think we should maybe evaluate that this could possibly be better. And what's something like, hey, I see this on the horizon. And is, is anyone else finding that this is going the wrong direction? When yeah. it wins, losses, opportunities, threats is really a good way to kind of help someone understand. Here's what you share during this time. Now, yeah. we finally have made it to the all important list, the issues list. This is the one that, you know, compresses or, or, uh, or expands for the amount of time that you guys like to meet. Mm -hmm. If you want to have an hour long meeting, then this ex this expands and contracts quite a bit, right? And so you may end up with a, in, in your environment, I have certain meetings where that lasts 15 minutes. You get 15 minutes. And I've got other meetings where that's an hour and a half of the meeting because we have a two hour meeting with that one, right? So, but if we're up to, let's just say, you're gonna have an hour long meeting just for the sake of our conversation. You're up to 15 minutes now, right? You will probably block off the next 40, for the issues list. And here's what you do with it. You pull out that big butcher paper you got, you got it hanging on the wall. And every time somebody says an issue, you write it up on that butcher paper. We use a lot of digital stuff. It goes on our screens. It flashes on our TVs behind us. So everybody sees the issues list. So when I say, no, Brittany, I really think that issue with, uh, with Donnie is important. Little Donnie is a big deal. I write up there the issue with little Donnie and you see that right there. So you feel like, oh, okay, it's safe. Yeah. But here's where it gets fun. 
Ooh, this is where it gets fun. So valuable. Most important part in everything I've told you so far outside of don't talk about it before now. Everybody gets to decide what's issue number one, what's issue number two is issue number three. You're doing this based upon impact and urgency. You're looking at all the lists and you're going, which one of these things needs to be talked about before everything else? Because it's, it's coming up tomorrow and it's a big deal, right? Impact and urgency. And then the, the team gets to decide one, two, and three. Now, here's where that matters, right? If, uh, um, if, if, if Ethel over there is used to dominating and getting her way because she's tenured and been there for the last 72 and a half years, and she feels like we need to talk about whatever it may be, she might be right. But if the rest of the team says, yeah, um, but I really want to figure out how each of you go about getting all of your people to come take the test. The team says that needs to be number one. So the way we personally do it is we'll like, I'll just pick somebody and be like, hey, you know, Brittany, what, what do you think? Give me, give me your top three. Doesn't even matter the order, just the top three. And you go boom, boom, boom. And somebody else say, give me your top three. Boom, boom, boom. And that's all it is. It's quick. It's painless. There's not emotion involved in this because we're just kind of sharing my opinion. I'm allowed to share an opinion. Yeah. I'm not fighting against you. And I'm just sharing my, I'd go one, two, three. You know, I'd, I'd put it in this order. And before long, it's really easy to go, well, clearly all of us think that, that this one matters. And that becomes number one. And then you go one, two, three. Now, the great part about this is you have, you've spent about five minutes in that conversation. That now leaves you with about 35 minutes for the rest of what you got to talk about. If number one takes 35 minutes, you're done. Yeah. You, you do this a few times, people will learn, oh, we've got to move. And so here's the way that we word it for people. Um, again, I stole this from somebody else. It's called IDS. You want to identify the issue, discuss the issue, and solve the issue. I'm not having a conversation for the joy of having a conversation. I want resolution. Right. We need resolution. What's the decision we're making? That's the point is to make a decision. The last thing we need is a meeting to sit where we're wasting everybody's time. So if you understand going in, we're trying to make a decision. And so usually I'll look back at who brought, whoever brought the issue up. Right. So, uh, you know, if you brought up the issue of, Hey, only half mm -hmm. of my people are scheduled to be here for the test and we've got to get more of the people here for that. Right. All right, you know, Brittany, what's the core problem here? Oh, well, man, I just, uh, we've, we've been told that this is already going to happen. I don't know how to get these other kids here. Okay, so, well, that's not really the problem yet. The problem is, and I'll, I'll kind of help reword for people. This is part of the higher level aspect of it. So the problem is you need techniques and tips to get more people here. Yes, great. And so we write it up that way. Tips to get more people here. You know, what's the process you go through? Okay, so if that's number one, Let's discuss, hey, how, how have you guys found this to be effective? And, and you begin to go around. But here's the nice part about it. You only got 35 minutes here, and this whole list is still sitting here. You know you need to get this done because there's other things that the list need to get done. Most of the time that doesn't happen in meetings. People stay on a time oh, way too long. But if the leader can keep going, hey, that's great. So what's the solution? What's the decision we're making? Oh, okay. And then get that decision written down. We're all on the same page again. And you move to the next point, and you move to the next point. And you move through your points that way. If you don't get everything done, this is what makes this also really beautiful. If you don't get everything done this week, fine. It stays on the list. And the next meeting, it's still there. It doesn't go away just because you didn't talk about it. This is also important. How many times have we sat in a meeting and somebody brought up something that really mattered to them? And it's like a month and a half, two months, four months later, like, oh, we never got back to. Stays on the list. And that list comes out for every single meeting. At some point, it either goes all the way up or at some point, we just don't care anymore. 
So you're going to spend about 35 minutes on this um, in an hour-long meeting. And this is really key because now everybody's voice matters. The quiet person who maybe wouldn't push for their issue to get to the top finds their issue at the top because everybody else goes, that's really an important issue. Right. Where the loud person who wanted to talk about why we haven't changed the uh, the color scheme of the walls in the last five years, you know, but but this color would be so much more valuable for the educational environment. Yeah. Right. Meanwhile, has anybody else noticed that uh, every third kid loses a limb every time they walk into the room <laughs> because of those nails? Right. Right. Let, let's deal with the let's deal with that problem right here. Uh, it it helps the quiet person who has this deep concern get their stuff to the top because everybody sees the list. And the list is on equal footing, not on sales pitch or or, or right. strength of the presenter. So right. that's how that plays out. And everybody's voice matters. The time is constrained already because we are going to start on time. We are going to end on time. We said an hour. We mean an hour. Because how annoyed does everybody get when you say, oh, an hour-long meeting, and three hours later, you still haven't solved the first problem? Yeah. How do you handle, and I'm sure this is true in the church world as well, when people bring up issues that you cannot solve goes on the list and how does that discussion happen i mean most of the time it doesn't yeah because what we'll do and this is again and i've played this game a long time now so admittedly i've got some uh, and and if anybody uh, you know tell it for, for your audience like if anybody's like can you walk through this individually with me absolutely happy to help people understand this process i when i help churches understand this i go on site with them and actually will sit through their meetings uh usually i'll make them run three meetings back to back and mm. and run it on their I'll run it for them. I'll watch it with help and then I'll let them run it. And we'll run three back to back meetings so they can internalize this process. But yeah. um well, if you need an the, example, so like in our world, attendance. Attendance is a right. huge issue. I cannot physically drag kids out of their houses. Right. <laughs> but it comes up. So how do we have that discussion? So you start by, and this is the identify the issue. You've got to get to the core of the issue. The core of the issue isn't attendance. It's not. The core issue is we are currently at 75% attendance. What would it take for us to get to 80? I don't know how to fix attendance. I know one church that had uh, like half of their staff ended up going through divorce in a three-year period. And the leadership sat down and went, there's a problem? Yeah. Like, there is a repeatable, predictable end result. Yeah. Um, but you can't just say nobody gets divorced. Like that's right. not how, the, but, but we can say, okay, how do we keep, how do we reduce that number? Right. In church world right now, one of the big conversations in church world right now is how do we pandemic proof our people and their faith, yeah. right? Because of what happened through COVID and, and where we're all at and how our politics played into our faith and all these different components of it. How do you pandemic proof that? And the answer is, I don't even know what you're talking about, but you know, what I can do is I can look and go, what were the things that I can, show definitively were problematic and how do we address those issues so that's the big mm -hmm. thing is you help people um boil down to what's the resolvable because that's the point that's why you're trying to really identify the issue the issue isn't attendance the issue is how do we move from attendance of 75 to 76 how do yeah. we um get our reading score we got to get our reading scores up i don't know how to do that but I do know how to take them from, you know, from here to here. I do know how to get those elements and we can address attempts to, to fix that, right? Some issues are cultural issues. 
man, is everybody finding that all their kids are so disrespectful right now? And they'll talk over teachers. I've heard a lot of teachers talk about since coming back from all the online stuff, like kids have forgot how to respect a person standing in front of them because yep. they're used to keeping it muted and turning and talking to whoever's around them. <laughs> right. Right. So especially your younger classes are really struggling with that. Okay. Well, I, I don't know how to, like, I don't know how to get kids to be quiet. Right. Uh, how do we get kids more engaged? Well, what does more engaged look like? And maybe the issue is, and again, the person running the meeting or anybody else can go, can I, can I write down a different issue? Because at any point you can add to the issues. Can we define metrics of engagement? Right. Because if we can define metrics of engagement, now we can work toward that. That's where your scorecard comes into play. And so that's really important to be able to identify yeah. a real problem, because once you can identify a real problem, now we can work on a real solution. And that's where everybody can help each other, right? Because you may be so deep in the weeds, you can't see any potential actual resolution, but another person can kind of step back and go, oh, we have 75%, we'd like to get to 77%. Yeah, well, look with the attendance issue, you know, well, students aren't here and because they're not here they're missing information. Can we get them the information? That's the real issue. Right. So let's deal with the real issue to be resolved. And a lot of times the first few moments of every topic is, can we boil it down so we can yeah. all understand what we're trying to make a decision on? What are we trying to solve? Because yeah. the point is resolution, decision, solving. And, and usually that's, just, and again, this is something you'll learn as you practice it a little while, you get used to that premise of it, of what are we actually trying to solve? And then we can all be on the same page. Um, and that's just that's just a really helpful part of it. So uh, the headlines are, are really tough. Headlines and issues are kind of tough to understand. Once you do it for a while, you'll start to sort of tweak. Like any new thing, right? It, it feels like you're fumbling and stumbling and, and going to fall down at any moment for the for the first for the first few runs of this. But um, but after a while, you'll start to get it, and you're just like, and then you can then what's fun about it is you can sit there and go, hey, I have an issue. My issue is in our meetings we keep struggling right here. Can we discuss how to solve that? Yeah. And it's on the issues list and you discuss it uh, because anything can go on the issues list at any time. Hey, can we discuss why uh, the BO problem coming out of our junior high? Right. Well, what are we trying to solve? We want them to use deodorant. Okay, how do we, <laughs> I, I always say that because my daughter is in a band program today um, and it's for every band student in the entire district in the paperwork for all middle school students in bold underlined deodorant is not an option. <laughs> that's awesome like wow you've dealt with junior high kids um, so right <laughs> yeah so once you go through all of these things right and i'm giving you the high level obviously there's a lot of weeds in this but the high level here's here's the part that i believe will change every all the things i'm talking about are so valuable but if you are if you can only implement one thing i'm talking about what i'm about to tell you is the one thing that will change your meetings guaranteed but you got to be strong after you've gone through your issues you need five minutes at the end to conclude the meeting. And what you're gonna do in concluding the meeting is, you're just gonna review, these were the decisions we made, these were the to-dos that we agreed we're gonna get done, and here you go, here's a big one. And everyone has to rate the meeting on a scale of one to five. In my church, admittedly, we go one to 10 because we started that way and I didn't wanna change it. But one to five <laughs> is better than one to 10 um, because one to five, you've gotta got pick, right? And here's the way it works. You've got to say one to five, set the parameters. Did we start on time? Did we end on time? Did we talk about the right things? And did we come to clear decisions? Those are the criteria. Not did we all get along? Not do we all agree? Not did we have nice cookies, right? Yeah. Oh, somebody brought donuts. It was a good meeting. No, 
start on time, end on time, discuss the right things and make decisions. If we did those four things, we get a good rating. Like I say, we use a, a one to 10 scale. And when we first started this, there were a lot of threes and fours because we're fumbling, we're stumbling, we're trying to work yeah. our way out of it. Now, if we get a seven in a meeting, something's weird. Like, yeah. and if we get a, and what we do in our world, and I believe it's valuable for anybody, um, in our world, using a one to 10 scale, if we get a seven or below, the question is, hey, what did we need to do to take it up one, one number? If we got a seven, how do we get to an eight? If we got a three, how do we get to a four? What do you need? And it's just a quick point, and that might become an issue for the next meeting. Right. But you have to tell us what went wrong for you. You know, I sat in a meeting one time, and, and we get time for, to rate the meeting, and one person goes, it was a 10. One person goes, it was a nine. One person goes, it was a 10. And they get to me, and I'm like, it was a four. Yeah. Like, Brian, why was it a four? I'm like, it's a four because this person and this person and this person didn't speak during the meeting. And if you guys don't talk, I can't get good answers. Yeah. So until we're all communicating, it's going to be a low rating. Yeah. Right. And that just sort of set because I we, and we'd had that conversation multiple times before and it just wasn't getting done. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, we're going to rate the meeting based on that at that point. So the rating. Man, who? If you're the guy who runs that meeting, be prepared. That's rough, because you may sit and go, "This is the best we've ever had." And somebody goes, "It was a one." All right. Right. I I didn't know in advance what the agenda was going to be. I didn't know. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Right. But what you'll find is you run this for a little bit. You're going to consistently get. Again, I use a scale of one to ten. You're going to consistently get uh, get eights, nines, and tens, because everybody's going to walk out of there going, "That was worth my time." which is yeah. why most of us hate going to meetings. It's not worth my time. Right. So the if you're going to do one thing and one thing only, keep the exact same meeting you have right now. If you don't want to listen to anything else I've said, keep the exact same meeting you have right now, but rate the meeting. Your meetings will get better automatically. Why? Because what gets measured improves. Mm. Right? If, uh, you know, part of the reason attendance it's amazing, at least in the schools that I've been in in the past, right? And in, uh, in certain areas in the South, your attendance is uh, your tax money is based upon your attendance uh, average over the year. It's not based upon an individual day. It's based upon or enrollment. It's based upon attendance throughout the year. And so, if you miss school, oh my gosh, the bad looks you get from teachers and from and from principals and from administrators and from uh, mm -hmm. is like you can't miss school. You can't miss school. You can't miss school because because right. it affects their income. Right. Right. In other districts, this one day, everybody's got to be here this one day, and we're going to pour everything into that one day. Right. Because what gets measured matters. If you yeah. if the meetings matter, give it a rating. And you know what your issue may be for next one? We would like to average an eight. Yeah. I have a staff person who runs most of these meetings uh, on my behalf because I'm telling you, I don't run these meetings. Yeah. I build the model. I started <laughs> the model. I ran it so they understand how to work it. And then yeah. I passed it off and I coached someone else how to lead them. So I don't lead any meeting I ever sit in now. Someone else leads every one of these meetings, but all of my meetings run under this model. It doesn't matter for my world if I'm dealing with my worship leadership team, if I'm dealing with uh, my my elders or you know kind of leadership team of the yeah. church, if I'm dealing with my staff, if I'm dealing with my executive team. It doesn't matter. Every meeting runs this model, and I don't yeah. run any of them because the model is so consistent. And here's the real beauty of it in, in a larger organization. Now I'm gonna go crazy on you in school world. I know because everybody's got to follow Robert's rules of order and the complete mess that stupid thing is. <laughs> but if everybody in your school, let's just say, runs the same meeting format, 
Right. You change grades, who cares? You know what that meeting looks like. Right. They want you on yeah. a bigger team to oversee a larger area for the entire school. That's cool. You know what your meetings look like. Anybody can walk in at any point and transfer to a different or different part of the organization, a different team, a, you know, a, a whatever, and and immediately fit in and understand what needs to happen. Yeah. Versus what we do right now, where we walk in and go, now, how do you run your meetings? Or what right. do you expect me out of running? And you've asked me to run this meeting, but you have an agenda that you want to run off. If everybody runs the same one, it's beautiful organization wide. And here's the way you can do that to provide your own peace throughout the organization. In your team of four, you run this meeting and you make it work well. Then yeah. invite your administrators to come watch it. Does this, does this look better to you? <laughs> Is this what you meant by efficient and productive? Right. And at the end of it, I, I have, we've had people actually come and, and zoom, like you know, ministers go, I wanna see this in action. And they'll ask to zoom in to our elders meetings. Yeah. And I'm like, just sit and take take part in it, hear it in action. And consistently, like, I just I can't believe it works like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because they've all sat in so many horrible meetings. Yeah. Their meetings are miserable. You do something like this once a week with your team. And there are certain issues might be the exact same issue every single time. Hey, are we all on the same page about what we're teaching next week? Does anybody need help with anything for next week? Cool. That goes on an issue. This person still needs help with this. You, you may have the same basic issues list every single week, but you have the ability to add something to it. Or it might be a personal conflict you have in your classroom yeah. that you're like, I need, I'm trying, I'm ripping my hair out. Can anybody else give me some advice on this? And when they give you advice, what you have? is you have a team. You've built right. relational equity without ever asking for relational equity. And your teachers begin to actually worry about and try to help one another when it's done well, rather than judge one another for, I can't believe that they let that happen. Right. So, so before yeah. you go, before you wrap up, as far as next steps. So I, I said at the beginning, there's four of us in our department. None of us are the department chair. I don't know how, I mean, we don't currently rank meetings. I don't know how they feel about meetings. I do know we never start on time. We never end on time. <laughs> There's general frustration about, uh, you know, if, if the meeting even happens, blah, blah. So how do I, as someone without organizational authority, even bring up like, okay, that was, can we all score our meeting? Like without it feeling forced or awkward or... Or maybe it does feel awkward. Um, I'll give you three quick thoughts. In my organization as a church, um, I don't have a lead in any of the teams that I oversee. Mm -hmm. The person who runs the meeting, and in fact, I found it to be much healthier, right? If you have a chairman of so-and-so, then everyone looks to them to be the one who does the stuff. If there is none, Everybody owns this. This is everybody's responsibility. Mm -hmm. So that's some is in our organization, we've kind of leveled that field on purpose, but with a lot of discussion to get us to that. So there's that part of it I want to share. The other part I want to share is how you can implement some of this is to be able to say, hey, can I, I learned something new the other day? I learned some new mm -hmm. ideas as to how we can have more effective and we can really be more effective and efficient in our time together. Um, can I can I share that with you this week or next week? Right. And you yeah. just ask for permission. Can we can yeah. we have a meeting about our meeting? Right. You don't tell them that. Holy cow. But yes, yeah, you, you <laughs> can absolutely and but you sit there and, and but that's exactly what you're doing. We've had lots of meetings about our meetings because you have one really good meeting about your meetings, you're gonna be so much better in the future. So, and the third option is this: I have almost never seen a child that learned to ride a bicycle without falling off of it. 
you know, let's talk relationships in general, right? There are things that you maybe wish your husband did more often. And there's things that your husband wishes you did more often. And you can tell him how to, what, what you need done from him, what you would like from him. And the reality is the first few times he does it, it's going to feel weird. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you know, he's just, you know, he's just trying. Um, I had a, a staff who I worked with at one point, we were, we'd been best friends. He was actually the best friend of my wedding. And then a number of years later, I hired him and he knew when he talked to me, he better come in clear and concise and direct and a bit loud is kind of the way I communicate. And I'd hear him sort of shuffle down the, the hall and he'd be right outside the door of my office and you hear him go, he had to prepare, prepare himself and then, and I just, I just smile because I knew it was so awkward for him, but I'd really appreciate the effort he put into right. it. And he'd hear me bop, 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 march down the hall, stand outside of his office. Hey, can I have <laughs> a minute of your time? And he'd smile because he knows I'm trying, right? This is the best right. I got for you, right? That's the premise of it is that anything you're going to do is going to be weird at first. And so it might be weird, but I, I, I'm the guy, this, but I, this is my wiring is to walk in and go, hey, before we leave, can I ask you a quick question? If you had to rate this meeting on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate it? Yeah. Well, if we were to give our meeting a, a grade, A to yeah. F, what, to, what grade does our meeting get today? Oh, cool. You don't even have to follow up with it. All right, good. I know I was thinking, I was thinking a good D plus myself. So, <laughs> um, right. And then it, that's all you really have to ask. And then later, it, what it does is uh, nothing gets changed without good questions being asked. Yeah. It just kind of spurs on like, there's a question I hadn't thought asking. And you do that just every once in a while, just kind of throw that out for a minute and be like, until someone goes, why do we keep getting D's? <laughs> or even the question of why are you even asking us to grade this? Right. Like, well, what is wrong if, with you? If, it, if we're going to ask a kid to do something over and over, wouldn't we grade it? Right. Right. Does a kid really work on good work if they're not going to get a grade on it? Right. How many times would a kid go, well, you know, this one doesn't get graded anyway. Doesn't This one doesn't count to my score. That doesn't mean it doesn't matter. But we all know the reality is, yeah, it kind of means it doesn't matter. So, right. I don't know if your kids' schools are do this. We now are at a 90-10. So their homework and classwork is only 10% of their grade. So that's literally every day. They're like, is this formative or summative? Formative. Oh, okay. Right. I can still yeah. get a 90% of the class. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> and people who think like me? would absolutely do that. But if you're teachers, hey, I, that'd be a great, I just I thought about that as we're sitting here, right? A to F, what did we What did we score today? What's our grade? Um, and you have people do that real fast, man. You, you, don't, you just have to drop it in once in a while and all you're doing is creating the right question for people to go, Is can I bring up a recommendation for maybe how we can get to a B? Right. Um, and then you just lay out, not in the depth that I did, but just lay out, hey, what if we had an agenda that looked like this? Yeah. Right? And it can be super simple. What if we had an agenda that was just a, a transition time, um, our to-dos, our, our headlines, our issues, our conclusion? Maybe you don't play those other cards. Maybe you don't play the scorecard. Maybe you don't play the goals card. Right? Can we just look through these others real quick? And we know that one of our headlines every week is we need to plan to make sure we're on the planning can be a, a big part of that. Cause I know making sure that all the teachers are teaching something similar matters or how you're going to go about this or how you're going to teach, making sure your, our schedule can be a headline every week. That can be an issue that gets addressed every single time, but simply asking that question of, Hey, how would you guys, if, if we had to give ourselves a grade for this meeting, what, what would we give ourselves? You'll start bringing on the right questions to improve the structure real fast. And what you'll start to do is create a culture that evaluates in a healthy way. So in the future, you can sit there and say, hey, um, we just uh, got done with our 
standardized testing. How did we feel we did at putting that together? A to F, how do we feel we did? And it gives you a scale real fast that you get to use over and over and over again. Everybody understands it. Everybody gets to work with it. Um, and before long, everybody gets really comfortable with it. You don't have to be the leader to do that. You just have to ask a good question. If you want to do it in a very subtle way, maybe you're not, you know, my personality is to do that in a big public forum. Maybe that's not you. That's all right. Go to your friend teacher, the one who you, you like, and ask them at the end of a meeting, hey, can I ask you a quick question? Some I've been just processing. If you had to rate, if you had to give a grade to our meetings, what, what, what grade would you give? And then you, next time you're out and you're, you're having, you know, you, you all go out for a, for a drink after work one day, right? Maybe you invite them just for good times together. And hey, as long as we're here, uh, <laughs> how would you, right? and, and I would just, that's another way to go about this is, but you want to be able to get that question in. That's the way to start people asking, what's wrong with our meetings? Mm -hmm. And then you can go, I have an idea. Yeah. And I came over this completely all by myself. I've never seen it before. Uh, no one's <laughs> ever done this. I, I'm kind of brilliant. And so um, can I, I present this idea? Brian, Brian Gorman is. <laughs> sell it completely as though it's your own. Don't yeah. care at all. But if you need help with it and you want like, hey, can you, how do I deal with this issue, that issue, the other? Again, I've run this model for a long time. I've taught this to multiple churches and a couple of, uh, couple of businesses to run this model as well. It's tremendously simple. It's tremendously repeatable. Anybody can come in and do it, regardless of the personnel you have. A new person can step on or off. They can come in. They get it real quick. And everybody's on the same page every time. It's, it's such a yeah. beautiful system that gets yeah. you a substantially better result. Yeah. And what I like about what you're talking about is for a lot of groups, so for our department, if something comes from admin to us and says, this is how you have to run your meetings, it's not going to happen. And they're not going to be invested when it's like working with students. Whereas right. if I, if within our smaller department, I can say, well, maybe we could try this. Yeah. And then it turns out that it works really well and admin likes it. The sense of ownership and the sense of accomplishment and the sense of, yeah, we did that makes it so much more valuable. Yeah. Rather and than if you are the admin, you, you could absolutely be the administrator, right? You could absolutely be in any of those key roles. Run this for your meetings. Yeah. And the and before long, you can begin to just again. You ask that same. Hey, I know you guys have your teacher. You have your planning meeting every week. How would you, if you had to score your meeting like we score our meeting, how would you score it? Yeah. And you can begin to relationally permeate that through an organization without needing position. Without you don't want to spend positional authority on this. No. Because you won't get buy-in administrators, you don't want to spend a positional authority here, but you can build it through relational authority by showing people how much better and more effective where people actually look forward to going to your meeting. I look forward to going to the vast majority of my meetings because I know what's going to happen when I'm there. And I know we're going to walk out with a good decision. And I know I'm going to get the best answer from all of the people in the meeting, not just my own personal feelings. So okay. uh, really key for me, I think, but but I'm someone who overthinks things and I think through systems all the time. And if I'm getting a predictable result, there's a system that's giving me that result. If your meetings are annoying every time, if you feel like you wasted the last hour, hour and a half, three hours, full day in that meeting, there's a predictable result it means there's a system that is giving that to you. And right. same thing holds true in your, in your, in your school, right? If you can predict that, you know, only 70% of your kids are going to show up on that particular day. You can decide if that bothers you or not, right? But at that point, 
you've got a predictable result. You can at least figure out why you've got it. You may not be able to change it, but you can tear apart the system to figure out why you've got it. And if you could, if your predictable result is you hate going to every single meeting you ever have to go in. My wife listens to the school board meetings and I hate school board meeting night because not just because do I think it's tremendously ineffective, but it's all using Robert's rules of order, which has been proven it exists for the purpose of being ineffective. That's why <laughs> Robert's rules of order was created, was to slow the government down so they yeah. couldn't overpower one organization with another organization. It wasn't created to be effective or efficient. It was created to be ineffective on purpose, just like the QWERTY keyboard. <laughs> Don't use it for that purpose then. Yeah. But but they do. And so I sit there all the time, just rip my hair out, listening to Robert's Rules of Order. Like, <sighs> Stop it. But but everybody's got their their bylaws and all the rules that we followed. Your team doesn't have that. You can actually do something that's effective, efficient, where your people go, no, I love going to my meeting. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And we struggle. And I don't know if it's the same at your wife's school. We have our department meetings are at the end of the day on Fridays. So all the students get out early and then we run our department meetings, which means that's when most teachers take off a half day if they need to go to an appointment right. or like head out early because they're not responsible for students at that time. You don't have to write lesson plans then for your absence. You don't have to, you know, pray that nothing gets destroyed. Or... Right. But then it's hard to run meetings because people are taking off and so the yeah. you know if you're you can mentally make your checked meeting, out at that point yeah if you can make your meeting something that people are excited about and want to show up to you know and say no of course you know hey i have to get to this doctor's appointment but i don't want to miss this meeting yeah we'll help you get some sub plans together we'll check in on your students that day we're so glad you want to be here yeah um and part of that is the whole school schedule anyway is weird but but to make it something that it's not just like, oh, Friday's our meeting, I'll just take off. Right. And I'm telling you this from personal experience. It used to be like our 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 leadership team meetings at the church. It used to be, man, it was almost exciting if you could find a reason to not be there. Yeah. Um, but now uh, I, I'm struggling to remember the last time somebody missed one of those meetings because they wanted to be a part of them enough. They called in. Like, <laughs> yeah. We set up a Zoom call with them and we put the speaker in the middle of the table and they participate in the meeting even when they are in other parts of the country when they are sick in bed they will call into the meeting to be a part of it because they don't want to miss it important things are going to happen there yeah and and to me that's really awesome yeah but i hope that helps i know it's a lot of stuff no, to it digest. Does. So I just understand. some things to think about there yeah no i really appreciate it um like i said i think these kinds of conversations are things that we don't talk about in education. We don't talk about how to run a meeting. I can tell you all day about backwards planning and assessments and doing things with my students. But as far as how do I communicate, how do I run things with other adults? I have no idea. Yeah. Um, and from the conversations I've had with my coworkers, admin doesn't really get training on that either. No. And so I, they teach me how to, what to do with the Bible. I never know how to, you got to run. I mean, I got to run an organization in the meantime. Right. Well, I gave you one class on that once in college, whatever, like anybody yeah. listens to college. Right. <laughs> so I appreciate you taking the time to talk about this, because I think this information is something that is so helpful, but just so it gets put on the back burner because we deal with kids every day. And that's kind of the priority and the urgency. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for your time and the late start this morning. <laughs> it's all right. Um, 
So the Reimagine Teaching podcast um, is on all podcast platforms. Um, we'll be posting on Instagram more um, notes and stuff about the conversation. So if you have questions or you want uh, Brian's contact info for how this works in your organization, please feel free to reach out. Um, otherwise, we will see you next time.